Let's see, some backups on southbound 75 in the Cut in the Hill in Kentucky. Uh, and that's about it as far as the backups are concerned. Now let's take a look at that weather forecast from the National Weather Service. It calls for cloudy skies tonight and some more rain possible. Had a little drizzle this afternoon. Could get a little more rain this evening as we dip down into the mid to lower 30s. So I don't think, uh, I guess in some outlying areas, we could see some of that drizzle turned into a few snow flurries, but uh, obviously no accumulation. Tonight's uh, chance of rain is 50%. Tomorrow, Thursday, cloudy skies, rain likely, a 70% chance of showers, mainly in the afternoon hours tomorrow, and a high of 45 degrees. Then uh, tomorrow night, some rain possible, low again around 35. Friday, cloudy skies, chance of a shower or two, mainly in the morning. High around 42 degrees. Saturday, shaping up to be quite nice. Uh, mostly sunny skies expected. Highs in the upper 40s. Could even see 50 degrees on Saturday. Uh, so that's good news. But then Saturday night is our next chance of rain with a 50% chance Saturday evening. And then looking ahead to Sunday, showers are likely on Sunday. Uh, Sunday's high around 48 degrees. Chance of rain Sunday, 60%. While we have the time here, we can look ahead to the extended forecast into next week, which gives us the forecast for Monday and Tuesday. Monday, cloudy skies with a uh, chance of uh, some rain in the morning. The high on Monday, only 38. So that's getting a little more uh, closer to what we are normally this time of year. Tuesday, again, a high around 38 degrees. And then the chance of precipitation both Monday and Tuesday, right around 30%. Right now we're at 41 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Vina is on her way. She's a little tied up in traffic right now. So in the meantime, let's uh, pick out a song here uh, that's kind of the anti-traffic song. Here's the Al Hurt Orchestra with Walkin'. <laughs>
The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And today we're talking about one of the scariest and yet most necessary skills that you need to develop as a real estate investor, and that is negotiation before we get to that and to your calls at 513-772-9658 or toll-free 877-772-9658. The Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati has its second meeting for the month of January tomorrow night. The early meeting is about how to get your property taxes reduced. What is the process? What's the best way to make sure that when you go in and make that argument to the auditor that your rental property or home is worth less than what they think it is, that that actually happens. That's at six o'clock. At 7.30, the main meeting is entitled How to Get the Education You Need Without Going Broke or Insane. It's a meeting particularly for new investors who are overwhelmed by the amount of great education available out there in the real estate world and wondering how to pick and choose the best education at the lowest price. That is at 7.30. Usual meeting location, the Jordan Crossing at the corner of Reading and Seymour. You can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-R-E-I-A.com or at 859-292-7342. My guest today is Don DeRosa, who bought his first home in 1993, but started investing full-time in 2001. He's based in Atlanta and specializes in single-family homes, wholesale rehab, lease option, rental, pretty much you name it. He's done lots and lots of deals, and he is here today to give us some tips about something that just scares the heck out of lots of real estate investors, and that is negotiation. Well, uh, welcome, Don. Thank you, Vina. I really appreciate you having me on the show. And thank you for jumping in and volunteering to be on the show <laughs> when uh, we posted that request at the beginning of the year at realliferealestateradio.com on the fan page about, you know, who's got a good topic, who'd like to be a guest, and you were like the first one there. I'll help out. So we appreciate that, and of course, uh, all the folks who... Uh, suggested topics for this year. But this is a good one because, Don, I don't know about you, but I find that it is the process of having to tell sellers, for instance, that you want to pay half what they want for their house that stops a lot of real estate investors from ever becoming real estate investors. Absolutely. Um, the word ne- the, the, the word itself, negotiation, it, it it, when people start thinking about the word negotiation, and I always say this in, in whenever I talk to groups, I say, what's the first thing that pops in your head when you say the word negotiation? And I get all kinds of things, contract negotiations, uh, you know, controversial stuff, you know, fighting, arguing, you name it. But very rarely do I get what negotiation really means. And For me, negotiation is nothing more than an interaction between people to come to an agreement on something. Mm -hmm. But when most people think about negotiations, it becomes very—it's a very scary topic for them because they just don't because they think that negotiation 
starts when you're face-to-face with someone, and it's either a win or lose situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know, think that's when, the first thing. When a lot of people think about negotiation, they think like union negotiations, exactly. you know, where, where it's, it's, exactly. a, it's months long, it's each side trying to take a big chunk out of the other side and, and get, the, get the most they can for themselves, or they think about, you know, peace negotiations, you know, stuff that, exactly. stuff that, stuff that really has a, a, a it's very high risk stuff where people are very adversarial. And until you've gone out and actually spoken to some buyers and some sellers and some you know, contractors and other folks that you might be negotiating with, you may not realize that you're, you're both trying to get to the same thing, right? I mean, yeah, your, se- your seller wants to sell and you want to buy. Right. And the negotiation is to find out whether that's going to work. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Well, I, I like to take the word negotiation out of it and talk about let's come to an agreement, you know, and you know, people people negotiate every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have kids and, and they're you know, you negotiate what time they go to bed. You know, if you go up and brush your teeth right now, I'll let you stay up till eight o'clock or eight thirty or whatever time it is. Or what movie if you're with your spouse or whatever, you negotiate what movie you want to see. People negotiate every single day. They just don't realize it because we don't call it negotiating. Mm-hmm. You know, we just call it, hey, let's agree on something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you think of negotiating in that manner, it does take a little bit of the sting out of it right from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and in, what, in what real estate investors do, it's very unusual for negotiations to, to turn hostile or to, 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 to do any of the things that I think people are afraid of, you know, it, it, the folks that you're that you're making this agreement with are typically not professional negotiators, you know, they're they're not they're not playing tricks on you or or you know no. trying to trying to manipulate you in some way. They know what they want, and you just have to find out what it is, and that's the negotiation. Right. So that's the, exactly right. The other thing I hear a lot, and I'm sure you hear a lot, is. Well, you know what? Like, um, my brother-in-law, he's a great negotiator. He was born that way, but I'm, I, I'm just not. Do, do you think that there's, there's like a negotiation gene that people have or don't have? <laughs> no, that is a fallacy. That is a myth. Um, because most people aren't, you know, now let's, let me say this. Some people are born with the better gift for gab or what I would consider the, the, the ability to build rapport quicker and faster with someone because they just have that gift of gab and they can relax people. Mm-hmm. But anybody can be an expert negotiator. And what I wrote down here you know, is I have six things that you really need to worry about, and I'm going to go through those real quickly. One, never assume anything. You never want to assume what, the other person, what you think the other person wants because that's very rarely the case. Secondly, and most importantly, you have to be a very good listener. Because you ask an open-ended question, and then you listen for the response, because that's what you're going to build. And when we get into the three, el- the three critical elements in a few minutes of all negotiations, but, you know, it all falls in line. Secondly is probe for personal information. So people ask me, why do you probe for personal information, Don? I'm not, I don't really care about their personal life. You absolutely do in anything that you do, because that's part of the rapport-building factor, because... In anything that you buy or sell, if you think about you, for example, you don't buy anything unless you like the person that you're buying it from. Mm -hmm. People buy from people they like. So if they don't like you, no matter whether you have the best price or not, it doesn't really matter. They're not going to have the best. You're not going to have the upper hand at negotiating. Number four, have the guts to ask for more than what you expect to get because you don't want to go in and lay down the gauntlet and say, this is it, take it or leave it, because you have no room, you've given yourself no room to give something away so that they feel that they've gotten something. But think about it if you go to buy a new car and you've done all your research and you walk into the dealership and you've got this great car and you throw down a price that you know that they're not going to take. It's so low. And all of a sudden the guy reaches out his hand and says, 
congratulations, you got a deal. What's the first thing that you're going to be thinking? Could have gotten a better one. <laughs> well, I could have gotten a better one, or what's wrong with the car? Uh-huh. Oh, crap, what did I just do? I either, I either offered you know, too much or something's wrong. So you never want to go in. You always expect to get more than you get. Um, so have the patience is the other one. Time, information, and power are what I consider the three critical elements in negotiation. Whoever has the most time on their hands or is in a better time position, we see that a lot in foreclosures because you as the investor, you have all the time in the world, and therefore the sellers are forced to make a decision based on the time factor. Okay, so that, that's an upper hand in any negotiation. Same thing with, a, with you buying a car. If you go in and you tell the attendant or the salesperson that your car just fell apart on the road and you need to buy one today, time is not on your hand, is not on your side. Mm-hmm. So be careful when you let people know what your time frame is. Um, so you have to have patience. That's the biggest thing. And then you want to come up with some creative solutions to whatever their needs are, and you get that by listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen to what, they, what they're saying to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. And when we come back from this break, uh, I not only want to invite listeners to call us with any questions they have. And you know, even even listeners, if you were in a negotiation scenario and you got stuck and you didn't know what to say next, uh, you know, call us up and role play. It's uh, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Traffic right now, uh, the accident once again, West 74 at 75 has been cleared up, so that's good. Still have accidents, uh, Glade at Sutton, Westwood Northern Boulevard at Baltimore, Westmont at Wyoming with injuries, Springfield Pike at North Avenue, Winton at Dutch Colony, and Delta at Linwood. And, of course, we have delays in the usual spots this afternoon. Cloudy skies overnight tonight, some rain possible. Tonight's low will be around 35 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy with some showers, especially in the afternoon. We'll get up to about 45 tomorrow, 70% chance of rain. For tomorrow, And then on Friday, cloudy skies in a high of 42 degrees, slight chance of rain. Saturday looks pretty good, partly sunny with a high near 50. Uh, could see temperatures in the 50s again on Sunday. However, Sunday also a 60% chance of rain. Right now we're at 41 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Real-life real estate investing continues after this. WMKV welcomes the Buffalo Ridge Jazz Band to Maple Knoll Village Auditorium. If you love classic jazz and Dixieland music, you're going to absolutely love the Buffalo Ridge Jazz Band. The Buffalo Ridge Jazz Band will be playing at the Maple Knoll Village Auditorium to benefit WMKV Radio on Sunday, February 21st from 2 to 4 p.m. Now, tickets are only $10, and you can get an additional $20 gift certificate for Maple Knoll's Manor House Restaurant if you'd like to make an additional $20 contribution. It all benefits WMKV. That's Buffalo Ridge Jazz Band at the Maple Knoll Village Auditorium, Sunday, February 21st from 2 to 4 p.m. More ticket information at 513-782-2427. That's 513-782-2427. And thank you. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our topic today, negotiation. My guest today, Don DeRosa, a name well-known to many of you folks who come to Rio or go out and hang out on the seminar circuit. Our numbers here in the studio are 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also email us a question by going to askvina. I'm sorry by emailing askvina at gmail.com. And uh, Don, we have a question here via email from JC in Las Vegas. He says, how would you respond in a negotiation with a seller prospect 
when they talk about how they are going to, quote, fix up the house themselves when it does, in fact, need major renovations to be marketable. And uh, I, I, I suppose that the question here is, you know, the sell, oftentimes the seller will try to, you know, encounter with a higher price by saying, well, you know, that that I'll just fix it up myself. Okay. Um, well, the biggest thing is, I mentioned it before, there's three variables in any negotiation, time, information, and power. So depending on the circumstance, your job as a negotiator is to figure out the other person and what their, what I'll call their hidden agenda is, what it is they want. And you can ask that by asking open-ended questions. The more information that you gather, the, more, the better formulated you can make. So you've got to find out why they want to do that and why they're selling to begin with. You know, as a real estate investor, we, you and I, we always talk about uh, the type of person selling the home. They want, we want them to be a what we consider a motivated seller. Um, you, you, there are some people that you can convince to give you some equity in their property when you buy it, and then there are some simply others that, no matter what you say, they want full price. So you have to decipher in the questioning which type of person that is. So by doing that, you're going to be gathering information by asking open-ended questions. You don't want to say... Um, are you moving out soon? They're going to give you a yes or no answer. You know, why are you moving? Um, you know, what are you going to use the money for? I mean, some of these are uncomfortable questions, mm-hmm. and some people may go to you, none of your business. But I, what I've found is the overwhelming majority of them will answer it. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said earlier, they're not professional negotiators. They don't know how to, to keep information guarded to, uh, to relinquish some of their, you know, their agenda. So just ask very nice but open-ended, pointed questions, and they'll answer them. So the way I, if seller says, well, you know, for example, I'll use this example. Let's say, let's say you're, the, you're the seller and you want 150000 and you only owe 100 And I know that because I've asked a few questions. Well, how much equity do, does, does Vina have? She, has, she thinks she has $50,000. So it's my job now is to show her that she doesn't have $50,000. Now, I use a simple spreadsheet to do this. You can use whatever you want. You can use a piece of paper. But I simply go through the process and say, okay, Vina, um, what are you asking? You're asking 150 um, well, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to pay X number of dollars in closing fees. I'm going to pay. It's going to cost me X number of dollars to renovate it, and I'm going to hold it for X, long, X period of days or months, and it's going to cost me to sell it. And then when I subtract all that out, and I do the bottom line, and I say, and you know, you expect, you know, we have to make a profit here. You know, we don't do this as a hobby, but we don't have to make a big profit. I've stripped away a lot of that equity they think they have, and we're left with what's left, and now we start talking about how much equity is left for them to get. And that's where the negotiation takes a different turn, because if you're just talking about high dollar figures, well, I, you know, the sales price is going to be 140 I don't do that. I don't, in my negotiations, I don't talk big numbers like that. I find out what they owe what the house is worth or what they want, and then I, I redirect the conversation to start talking directly about what is the equity in their property. So then, I, then we start inching down that equity because really that's all people really want are worried about. Mm-hmm. And it's a much easier number to deal with, and people understand that better than if you just said, hey, I'll pay you 120 for your house. And all these numbers go flying through their head. A confused mind in anything does nothing. So you want to be very. You want it needs to be very simple with mm-hmm. what you're doing, and very. You know, you, you need to make sure that they understand it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's what I would say. Yeah, and I mean, uh, really, a reality check for folks who are afraid of negotiation from the basis of I've never done it and I'm I'm assuming how it's going to go. Uh, 
any any course that you take on real estate or on negotiation typically has some sort of a script with it. And when you're in class, they, you know, they go through the script and they role play. And you think that the way it's going to go is that you're going to start in on that script and you're going to have to ask these questions. And some of them are going to be uncomfortable. And the reality is well over half the time, you pretty much say hello and the other person spills everything without you even asking. I mean, yes, a lot of times in our business, that's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. You just ask a few open-ended questions, which are pretty, pretty normal. How much do you owe? Um, you know those types of questions. What's the house worth? And they'll just start talking. Mm-hmm. You know why are you selling? What put you in this position? And then they start talking and giving all this information up. And all you have to do is simply listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if you're if you're if you're really frightened that it's going to be adversarial it's probably again because you haven't had one of these conversations and you've never been a motivated seller or a motivated buyer or <laughs> whatever the case may be because uh seriously i mean there there are a lot of times when a a, a seller will call my office and I'll answer the phone, and I'll say, what you, can I ask you a few questions about your property? And they'll say, yeah, well, here's the situation. Uh, I'm getting a divorce, and we were already behind on the payments before I got the divorce, and we owe like 148 We know our house is only worth 120 So <laughs> it's just they, all they out just there. Yeah. They just spill it all out there. Cause, because they've, they, you may not be the only person they've called. Mm-hmm. You know? And this is the biggest thing that I, that I try to teach the students of mine is, you know, don't go by a script. Because if you don't come across, one of the biggest things that you, if you leave here today picking up on is if you can simply sit down and talk to someone and build rapport and have a great conversation, just like you were sitting down with them at, you know, in their living room having coffee, with a neighbor and having that type of conversation and throw the script out the window. You know, memorize the script, but you don't have to go in an order that, you know, all these gurus tell you. They give you a script and they say, here, follow this. Well, you sound like a robot. Okay, tell me how much you owe. Um, You know, what's your mortgage payment? And they just fire off all these questions, and it's very, very cold. And you don't get a chance to really build rapport with someone. What I typically do when I go into someone's home, for the first 10 minutes, I don't talk about anything that's related to real estate. I find out what makes them tick. I walk to their their wall, look at pictures, walk to their mantle. Pictures are a great way for someone to start building a rapport because think about it. Why do you put a picture out? It's something you you're proud of. Right? It, right? Yeah, you exactly. want, you're proud of it. You want people to look at it. Okay, so when you walk, when the first the first thing I do when I when I knock on someone's door is I hand them a business card, and I walk in the door and they well I wait for them to invite me in, and then the first thing I say to them is, do you want me to ta- would you like me to take off my shoes? Now why would I why would somebody say that? Why would you say would you like me to take off my shoes? Well, it's... I mean even if even if you look inside and you go. Please don't say yes. Please don't say yes. Please don't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you still, I still ask because it's out of respect, and I want them to go, oh, at least he was courteous enough to ask. Mm-hmm. And you know, people go, oh, don't worry. Look at this place. It's a mess. And I'm going, oh, thank you. <laughs> Inside. But, you know, and then I start walking around, and I start asking questions. You know, hey, is this your daughter's picture here? Or I see that you have a sewing machine. Do you like to sew? I went into one lady's house, and she had a whole room full of porcelain dolls. And we had a conversation, and I related it back to my wife. Like, and collect, she likes to collect nutcrackers. You know, I tell that in some of my seminars, that story. Mm-hmm. That puts people at ease, and when they're at ease, they tell you more information. It allows you to gather more information. It takes their guard down, and it's no longer an adversarial you know, I've got to stay guarded because this person's going to come in and steal everything I have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing that you can walk away from this today. Mm-hmm. Got to build rapport. 
got to build rapport and you've got to have the attitude going in that what I am looking for here is a win-win deal. Yes. I need to win and, and they need to win. Because, you know, Don, some people, some people go too far in the other direction. Too far Absolutely. in the direction of trying to give the seller everything they want. Exactly. And there there are situations that we run across in this business that are very heartrending situations. Yep. You know, pe- people people who've lost family members and that's why they need to sell the ho- their their house. People who have uh, had big health crises and are, and yep. that's why they're in foreclosure. And it it's very tempting sometimes just for the sake of like getting the deal to promise the moon and the sun and bend to everything that the seller wants, but it has to be a win, win. That's two, one for me and one for you. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I see this a lot when people go to, when, when the investor is selling a house, they think a win, win is split the difference. That is not a win, win. That is not how you negotiate when you go to sell a house. That's the biggest mistake. I don't know how much time before your break, but I really want to get into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go That's ahead. the biggest mistake people make. Is is they you know I have a house that's worth a hundred, and a real estate agent comes in and offers me ninety. The first thing people do is they go and they say, "Well, I'll counter back at ninety-five. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest mistake you can make. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Yeah, but for one thing, it for one thing it leads to to endless splitting. Where now yeah, they're going to they're going to come back at ninety-two-five now. Exactly. That's halfway between yeah, before the 90 you, and the before 95. Long, you're like, okay, let's just do it and get it done. They just kind of wave their hands and say, fine, I just lost $10,000 or eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't do it smart. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's the smart way? Well, the smart way is when somebody comes in and offers you that $90,000, I tell all of my students, look, don't counter back at 95. Counter back at 90. If you're asking 100, counter back at 99,000. I always tell people, your first step in negotiation is you take $1,000 off your asking price, no matter what they come in at. Mm-hmm. Because what it will do is it will, because right now, typically what happens is an agent will give you an offer. It's really low. There's closing costs included. There's, um, you know, you got a home warranty that's tacked on there and all this stuff because real estate agents are trained as well that you you ask for more than what you want, and then you give stuff away. Mm-hmm. They know it. That's why you know people go towards real estate agents. They're they're trained just like everybody else. So I take the sting out of it and say, okay, well, let me see exactly how serious they are. And I come back and I say, ninety nine thousand. If you want me to pay closing fees, that's fine. I'll pay every penny of them, but we're going to tack it on to the price of the house. Mm-hmm. And you know that may not be what we end up where we end up. But at least it tells me if they just suddenly say, nah, I'm not interested, all they were looking for was a great deal, and my house probably wasn't wasn't for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If somebody's truly interested in their house, you know, they'll negotiate with you. Yeah, and you know, here's here here's here's another another kind of fallacy that I that I hear a lot from people who are asking questions about negotiating. I'm afraid to do what Don just said. I'm afraid to I'm afraid to I'm afraid to come back at 99 on a $90,000 offer because I'm afraid the other guy will be insulted. Yes. And <laughs> that's just okay, if if they're if they're so if they're if they're such non-pros that they're actually insulted yes. by you countering their counter or by you countering their offer, then there yep. was probably no deal there and and again, as you mentioned, you know, most buyers have real estate agents in tow. And the real estate agents mm-hmm. do understand the game. Exactly. And a, well, I had, a, I had a student one time. She was selling the house. They came in with a really low offer. And the agent, rather than keep her mouth shut, remember we ask open-ended questions and we talk to these folks to find out, she told my student that, hey, this guy really likes this house because he's been looking for a year and a half, and this is the only house he's seen in a year and a half <laughs> that fits his boat. The garage is is perfect for his boat. Uh-huh. And this real estate agent came in really, really low with this offer, and I and I told the student, I said, counter back at full price. Mm-hmm. But and I don't want to lose them. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, well, I don't want to lose them. I'm like, 
trust me, this guy's been looking for a year and a half. You're not going to lose him. <laughs> exactly right. You're not going to lose him. All right. When we come back, uh, I want to discuss one of the big kind of buzzwords out there in negotiation, uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and what you think the reality of that is. I also want to invite listeners once again to give us a call with any negotiation questions you have, including places where you've gotten stuck in negotiations, where you'd like to, Don's input on what you should have said or what you should be saying, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. The Sycamore Senior Center is proud to support programming on WMKV, providing services to older adults in 16 communities. The Sycamore Senior Center is located in Blue Ash at 4455 Carver Woods Drive. More information for the Sycamore Senior Center is available at 984-1234. That's 984-1234. Or on their website at mkcommunities.org. Looking at the Artemis traffic right now, we have an accident glade at Sutton, also Westwood Northern Boulevard at uh, Baltimore, accident Winton at Dutch Colony, Delta at Linwood, just reported an accident northbound 75 at the end of the ramp to Kentucky 18. The right side is blocked there. And a disabled vehicle southbound 75 at 5th Street. The uh, left side is blocked, Fort Washington Way westbound, south 75, an accident. Hyde Park at Madison, Reading at Barry too. Your weather forecast this evening, clouds, maybe some more showers or at least some light drizzle with a low tonight around 35 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy, 70% chance of some showers, but a high of 45. Then on Friday, a slight chance of rain and a high of 42. Saturday, we could see temperatures hitting 50, pretty much the same for Sunday. Dry on Saturday, chance of rain on Sunday. Right now, it's 41 degrees. Here at 89.3 WMKV. The Xavier University Classical Guitar Concert Series presents some of the best area and national guitar performers, including David Perry and David Tannenbaum. The series runs now through late February 2010. Individual and series tickets are available at 513-745-3161. You can also receive more information on Xavier's Master of Swing series at 513-745-3161. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Don DeRosa, CEO of Springboard Real Estate Training, author of a lot of home study courses and teacher of a lot of workshops and uh, speaking today on successful negotiation. We're taking your calls for about another 10 minutes at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or your emails at askvina at gmail.com. Now, Don, um, there, there's ugh, there's endless kind of negotiation strategies, out, like philosophies out there. I mean, yeah. you can buy umpteen books off of any bookshelf yeah. about you know, go at it this way or, you know, go at it that way. And and one of the things that we hear a lot in real estate is something called NLP or neuro linguistic programming. And the, it, it's often sort of put out there as if it were magical, as if it were a way to bend people to your will yeah. with some sort yeah. of negotiating judo. <laughs> Come to me. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. What, Absolutely. What is it and what do you think about it? Well, you know, the NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, and it's been around for a very long time. Uh, and it's a very highly taught way of what I'll call influence or influencing others. And there's really two types that, that, uh, that I'm aware of. One is from a self-help type neuro-linguistics, basically it's reprogramming your brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people like to call it self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's various programs out there that you can, you know, quit smoking or lose weight or, you know, be more affirmative in, you know, your whatever it is you're trying to do, goal-oriented. And it's a self-help, 
self-hypnosis type thing where you, you know, maybe you listen to a tape and it says, you know, I'm, you know, on top of the world today, you know, <laughs> a hundred times over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, then there's the other type of neuro-linguistic programming, which basically influences other people. They often refer to that as modeling. And the idea behind that is when you start to connect with someone by the use of certain phrases, use of body languages, sooner or later, if you notice, and somebody that's really good at it can 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 give you can can do certain things, um, have certain conversations with you, and really shift the way you um, where they want you to go as far as thinking. Um, a lot of attorneys go through um, neuro-linguistic programming from a body language standpoint because when you model someone, if you've, if you've captured them, the other person on the other side, when you cross your legs, they cross their legs. Mm-hmm. And when you put your hand to your chin, they lean forward and put their hand on their chin. At that point, you realize that, you know, you're influencing them without them really even knowing it. And that's kind of, that's really what modeling is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what do I think about it? Um, I think everybody does it. Everybody has it. Um, it's a hard thing to train yourself to do the modeling portion of it mm-hmm. um, because I think it really stems from how well you've done everything up to that point from building rapport. Um, I am a firm believer in the self-hypnosis, self-help type neuro-linguistic linguistic programming. Uh, I listen to it quite often. Um, it's more affirmative, affirmative uh, affirmations, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my take on it. I mean, it's very real. It's out there. Um, do I really teach the uh, modeling part of it? No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some nonverbal clues that I think everybody should be aware of. Okay. Um, such as, you know, what I do when I sit down with someone, I perform a body scan of them. And I first look at their face or their head. Are they smiling? If they're smiling, sometimes that means that they're in agreement with you or they like you or it's ple- pleasant to them. If they're nodding, they're agreeing with you. If they're tilting their head, that may indicate that, they don't understand what you're saying or are uncertain, if they give you that squinched look in their face that you see. Um, you, off, pe- people often refer to a look, a deer-in-the-headlight look. That's that's nonverbal clues. Mm-hmm. Um, then I go from the body down to, um, like, the actual body of them. Are they leaning towards you? Okay, that means if they start to lean towards you, they're into the conversation. You, you're making progress. Those are all factors for the modeling part of the NLP. Mm-hmm. If they lean away from you, okay, if you say something and all of a sudden they lean away and cross their arms, that's a nonverbal clue that whatever you just said, they may not agree with. Mm-hmm. And they may not be saying them it. Off. Yes, they're just not saying it. Uh, they move from side to side, you know. If they're nervous, that may mean they're nervous and they, you know, they're looking at their watch. They have other things on their mind. They're not listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, then I move and look at their arms. Are their arms folded? Do they throw, throw their arms over their chair? You know, like some people throw their arms over the back of their chair. That may indicate that they have a need for what they call dominance or a negative reaction to what you've said. Mm-hmm. So if they kind of put their arm over the chair, that means they're that's a dominant position because they they're grabbing something. Mm-hmm. I mean things like that, or you may not pay attention to those, but you should. Mm-hmm. Are their hands open? Are they clasped behind their head? Okay. Are they steepling their fingers, which means they need control? So people that steeple their fingers typically means they need control. Are they wriggling their hands? That means nervousness or they're unconfident. They're, they have a lack of confidence out there. So, and usually, one of the biggest things is, and people laugh at me when I say this, when people cross their legs, they're basically non-cooperative to you. Hmm. Um, 
and what I teach people is you should always have your legs uncrossed, feet flat on the floor, and your body tilted towards your counterpart. Okay. And if you're picking up on these nonverbal signals, I mean, you've, you've just named probably five or six that mean something along the lines of tuned out, not cooperative, not agreeing with you. What do you do? Well, then you go back and you say, um, uh, I, I noticed that maybe that, do you disagree or agree with what I just said? You put the elephant out on the table because then it kind of shocks them back into, oh, I must have, um, you know, and it reengages them for one. Because they may be often, you know, you must have said something. You typically, when that happens, you've said something that they've kind of temporarily checked out, and now they're no longer engaged. Because when people are engaged with you, like I said, they're leaning in, they're smiling, they're nodding, they're in agreement, they're focused. When you've said something that they don't agree with, they tend to back off and they tend to drift. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do is um, redirect your question. Because and go back and figure out what question you just asked that put them in that state of mind. Mm-hmm. So obviously, what you just suggested to them, they didn't like. So you say, well, and if you don't like this suggestion, is do you have any suggestions on what we might want to do? Get them re-engaged to whatever conversation you're in. Well, and it may just be a matter of of, of clarification. Uh, they may Absolutely. have jumped to some conclusion about what you said that is untrue. You know, you, you may you may have said, uh, well, we're going to have to do a short sale and they think they know what that means and they don't know what that means and they tune out and and what you need to do is find out what the objection was so exactly. that you can address it. And, and you know, sometimes you, you just you say something that is it's it's a something off of which you really can't move uh-huh. and they tune out. You might as well find that out so that you can get out and go talk to a real seller. <laughs> You're not going to convince, you're not going to be a successful negotiator on every deal, and you're not going to get every house that you go look at. There are going to be some people that just you cannot negotiate with, and there are going to be some that most of the people that you can, but there are some that don't, and you have to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And that that's okay all around. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, recognizing it early is much better so you don't waste a bunch of time, yours and theirs. Uh-huh. But that's why you ask questions, as many questions, open-ended questions as you can, because what I've found is, you know, I walk in and I get a lot of people to, I buy a lot of properties, and price is very, very rarely the sticking point mm-hmm. when it comes to foreclosure situations or people that are in distress for one reason or another. Price is almost always the last issue. And one of the biggest mistakes I think people make there's two things you should never do in a negotiation. Never, 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 never. Never narrow the negotiations down to one single issue. Because if they, if that is a sticking point for them, the negotiation now is at a stalemate and it's done. You've got a winner, you've got a loser, and there's no win-win scenario there. Mm-hmm. So never narrow it to one single issue and never assume you know your counterpart's needs. Because people always assume a lot of times, especially when you're new, you think, oh, i got to give them just what you said earlier. i got to give them their price. i got to concede on all this stuff because then they won't sell me their house. That simply is not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and, that's, and that's easy to do. I mean, that's something that, that requires kind of constant self-monitoring because mm-hmm. even, even, you know, when you've talked to 100 sellers in foreclosure, there start to be themes yeah. <laughs> about about yeah. what their what their real needs are, and it's easy to start assuming that when someone calls you and says, "Yeah, I got your, I saw your ad about avoiding foreclosure." Okay, well, I know, you know, I know this whole guy, this guy's whole profile. I know everything about him. I don't need to find out what the real situation is because I know. And that's just it. It's just not true. People people surprise you. Absolutely, and I tell people all the time, you know, because a lot of times people try to negotiate over the phone. You know, when a seller calls you and they're, you're, they're gathering that information, how much do you owe, what's your payments, all that stuff that, that we teach you how to collect. And, you know, if the seller has a bunch of equity in their property and they say, don't even bother to come out here if you're going to offer me, you know, a really low price, a lot of people take that as, you know, the gospel, and they stop and they throw that lead in the trash and they say, well, they're not motivated. <laughs> 
you know, I tell people all the time, forget that because you got to figure out, is the deal good without knowing what the seller wants? Do the numbers work? If they were just hand over the keys to you today, would the numbers work? If they work for you in your scenario, doesn't matter what they say on the phone, go to the appointment because that's when the negotiation really kicks in and that's when they that's when you will know what their true wants and needs are. Mm-hmm. And you cannot because people over the phone it's too easy to say no. Because you don't have the ability to see the nonverbal clues, you don't have the ability to build rapport with them, to gather that information, to make them feel like they know you. You don't have that luxury. And almost every single case the negotiation will go south and you'll get frustrated. Uh, Don, we have like a minute and a half to wrap up here. So, I mean, this is this is a huge topic, obviously. There's week-long seminars taught on the topic of negotiation. But if you had to summarize for the folks who are listening just a couple of really crucial points that they need to go into their next negotiation with, what would that be? Build rapport is the biggest thing. Well, first off, gather your information. Do your homework ahead of time. Find out what all your comps are, what, you know, what they're asking. Ask very pointed, open-ended questions. Build rapport and then listen. Because then once you listen, then you, the only thing left is overcome their objections. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about objections. But that's the only other thing is once you know what the information is, you can overcome those objections or have a game plan Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, negotiations do not have to have to be frightening. In fact, they're they're a lot of fun, and you can truly get a win-win if you just kind of walk through certain things. Very good. Appreciate your help today, Don. Hopefully, we've uh, made no some of folks out there feel a little bit braver about actually <laughs> talking to the folks they need to talk to to be in the real estate business. Don't forget that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati's meeting is tomorrow evening. Early meeting is how to reduce your taxes. Main meeting is how to get the education you need without going broke or insane. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Let's join Fox 19. Aftershock 5.9 on the Richter scale. Rocks Haiti again this morning. And the Pentagon announces the 2,000 more U.S. Marines are on the way. Fox 19's or Fox's Craig Boswell has more from Port-au-Prince. More than a week after the quake struck, rescue...